let me say, don't believe the nasty rumor. Thanksgiving 2020 is not canceled. As a matter of fact, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know one day soon, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So today, my friends, this week and every day, let everything that has breath praise the name of the Lord. So for this Thanksgiving message, I want us to focus for a little while on thanking God for people and on thanking people who have served God by serving us. As American author Robert Fulgham wrote, and I quote, All I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but right there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are the things that I learned in that situation. Share everything, play fair, don't hit people, put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess, don't take things that aren't yours, say you're sorry when you hurt somebody, wash your hands before you eat, flush, warm cookies and cold milk are good for you, live a balanced life, Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands. Stick together. Be aware of wonders. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why. But we're all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little, little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. And so do we. And then remember, remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you learned, that biggest word of all, no matter what you saw, the word was look. You probably said look, but that was quite the word. Fulgham goes on to say, everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule, love, basic sanitation, ecology, politics, equality, sane living. You take any of these items, extrapolate it out into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work or your government or your world and it still holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if this whole world had cookies and milk about 3 o'clock every afternoon and then lay down with our blankies for a nap. Or if all governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. It's still true no matter how old you are or where you've been, when you go out into this world it's still best to hold hands and stick together. Hey, do you remember those words, please, and thank you? Uh, yeah, those were some other first terms that you learned. 
uh, please, maybe didn't come out quite that way, but people knew what you meant. And thank you probably was ta or ta-ta or whatever. And people knew that that's what you were trying to say. And eventually it became please and thank you. And those are the simplest things we learned from earliest childhood. Let me expand for a minute on thank you. See, I believe gratitude to God is expressed in uh, our thankfulness for one another. Think about that. And secondly, I think gratitude to God can be expressed in our thankfulness to one another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting to read at verse 6, Paul addresses Timothy and says, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God? Listen, because of you. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? I read this, and I think in the most simplistic terms of the ones who clean the church building. (laughs) I think of the ones who lead our kids' ministries. I think of the ones who pick up friends and bring them along to service. I think of those who who work with our wonderful teens. I think of those who take charge in the audiovisual aspects of our, our ministry, and they are many, and they are complicated at times. And I certainly do appreciate all that work. I think of those who are involved in platform ministries, I think two of the first impressions people parking cars when it's uh, nearly 100 degrees and when it's uh, below zero as well. I think of the host team with the coffee and the bright good morning and the welcome to visitors. I think of those who send the messages of encouragement to others and they they keep making contacts with folks and they specialize in reaching out to others and being concerned for their welfare. So a message today, simply thank you very much. It was the day before Thanksgiving. An elderly man in Phoenix called his son in New York, and here's what he said. Son, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing Forty-five years of misery is enough. We're kind of sick of each other, and so you can call your sister in Chicago and you can tell her the news. Frantic, the son calls his sister, who explodes on the phone. They are not getting divorced. I'll take care of this. I'll look after it. So she calls Phoenix immediately and said to her father, you are not 
getting divorced. Don't you do one single thing till I get there. I'm calling my brother right back, and we'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't you do one more thing. Do you hear me? The man hung up his phone and turned to his wife and said, Okay, honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying for their own flights this time. You know, Thanksgiving is a great family time. It's when most families get together to eat, to share, to laugh, and just have a good time. And demonstrate their love, perhaps, one to the other. That's so great. I vote for loving one another. Some people are fortunate enough, especially this year, to be with their family members on Thanksgiving, and that's great. If so, thank God for that. Some don't get to spend time with their family members on Thanksgiving, whether it's this year or any year. Still, we must be thankful. You see, it's always right to be thankful, and we are so blessed. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19 read, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life, listen to this, that is truly life. God is reminding us that we are the rich of this world, and we should not be arrogant about it. The guest speaker had just returned from a tour with the Peace Corps. He got back home here to America and he was very troubled in his spirit about the apathy of American Christians. On this particular night, he was a little late getting into the church that he was visiting and after the opening couple of songs had been sung, he marched to the platform. He hadn't even changed his clothes after working 10 hours on the farm. And so with a little bit of mud and maybe a little bit of other things clinging to his clothes and his boots, the aroma was starting to fill the church. And people were beginning to whisper, and his sermon was short. And he said, you folks act shocked as though I were a costumed clown but you are wearing the costumes. 75% of the world is dressed like me. Half of the world went to bed hungry tonight. You stuffed yourselves, fed the dog, and still threw away a good meal. Something is wrong with the country that lets grain rot in the silos while bodies rot away in other nations. What's more, you don't care, it seems. Matter of fact, when I leave tonight, I'll probably be remembered as the misfit preacher. You will not think of yourselves as the strange ones, but you are. And the strangest thing of all to me is that you do not even realize it. Just by being an American, you see, I am one of the richest people on this planet. He said the rest of the world wants what we've got, but we're not willing to give it to them. Brothers and sisters, we are rich in this country, far richer than we realize, 
we are abundantly blessed. Going to my text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 gives us some of the attitude and the action of thanksgiving which should be part of our lives. The first piece is be joyful. Be joyful always. See, I believe a thankful person is a joyful person, and a joyful person is generally a thankful person. We're not as joyful as we should be with what we have, and that's because we don't recognize what we've already been given. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you, what do you have that you did not receive? Great questions. And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Everything we have, we receive from God. Our jobs, our incomes, our cars, our houses, our land, our food, our clothing, our families, you name it. We have no right to boast as if we provided everything for ourselves. You see, every good gift is from above. There should be no boasting. There should be no indifference on our part. Never, never, never. Leslie Weatherhead told about eating with a couple in northern England just after World War II. Needless to say, food was still very scarce then. But the, the wife managed to prepare a very fine meal. I... I thought it was great when I heard it. Fresh trout from a nearby stream and some fresh vegetables cooked in a delightful way. Weatherhead said he enjoyed the meal greatly and when it was over, he thanked his hostess for it. Rather shyly, she blushed and she said, Oh, sir, my husband never thanks me when I prepare a fine meal for him. Well, Leslie Weatherhead said that he felt a little embarrassed for the husband. But he discovered that the husband was not embarrassed at all. He said he could still see that man sitting there and he could still hear him say these words to his wife. Hey, love, I would have told you if I didn't like it. Isn't that the way we are so much of the time? Instead of being humbled... Instead of being thankful, instead of being appreciative, we're a bit quicker to complain if our blessings are not just the way we want them or in the time we want them or the amount that we want. He was a young man. He was feeling very proud of himself. He was a brand new college graduate. He had just taken the CPA exams, passed with flying colors, so now he is a full-fledged certified public accountant. His father had been an immigrant to the U.S., and he now owned his own little business. Filled with self-importance, the young man began to criticize his father's way of keeping books. He said, Dad, you don't even know how much profit you've made. Over here in this drawer are your accounts receivable, and over there are your receipts, and you keep all your money in the cash register, and you don't have any idea how much you've made. 
or what your profit is? This was the father's answer. Son, when I came to this country, the only thing I owned was a pair of pants. Now, your older brother is a doctor. Your sister is an accomplished art teacher. And you are a professional CPA. Your mother and I own our home. We have a car. And we own this little business. Now add that up, subtract the pants, and all the rest is profit. Add it up. Add it up, brothers and sisters. That's exactly what we need to do at Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving ought to be every day of our lives. Add it all up. We came into this world with nothing but the eternal soul that God gave us. Everything else is profit. I would say we've all profited quite well. And in so doing, let me remind you to be joyful. The second as, uh, aspect of uh, thanksgiving here is give thanks. Also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 18 I read, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, a thankful person is quick to give thanks to God in all circumstances. I like this story about a lady who pulled up to the drive-in window at the bank. The inside teller was facing the hot afternoon sun, so he pulled down that large window shade. You've probably all seen one of those, making it impossible for his customers to see him through the window, but he could see out. They just couldn't see in. As this lady pulled up to the window, he pushed the, uh, the button for her, and the drawer moved out to meet her, and she put her deposit in, and the drawer withdrew back into the bank. A few moments later, the drawer came back out with her deposit slip and the money she had requested, and she counted the money, and then she put it in her purse. Before driving off, she looked at that window again. Unable to see anybody inside, here's what she said. I suppose you're totally automated, <laughs> but I just feel I ought to say thank you anyway. Good job, lady. More of us should be that way. We should be thankful to God and to all people who bless us in life. We should be thankful to God for those who serve us, even those who we may not we may not know, or we may not see, or we may not understand how it works. We ought to say, thank you anyway. Look at those words in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 again. Give thanks in all circumstances. The Apostle Paul didn't say to give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. All of the circumstances in life are not good. But there will always be something, hear me carefully, in those circumstances for which we can give thanks. I remember the story of Robinson Crusoe. You're probably very familiar. He was shipwrecked on a lonely island. He thought of both good and bad. He was cast onto a desolate, desolate island, but, but he was still alive. 
pretty good considering uh, he, he wasn't drowned and all of his ship's company was. He was divided from mankind, but, but he wasn't starving. He had very little in the way of clothes, but he was in a hot climate and he didn't need them. He was without means of defense, but he saw no wild animals. He had nothing to speak of, but God had sent the ship so near to the shore that he could still get out of it all things necessary for his survival. So he concluded that there was not any condition in the world so miserable, but that there was something positive for which to be thankful. What a lesson for all of us. That's the attitude you and I need to have. He could give thanks in all circumstances. He found some things for which to give thanks, and we can too. We can find those things, no matter how bad our situation or circumstances might seem to be. Max Lucado tells some great stories. But Max tells about living for some time as an American in Brazil. One day he was walking along the streets on his way to the university to teach a class, and he felt a tug on his pant leg. Turning around, he saw a little boy, about five or six years old, dark beady eyes, a dirty little face. The little boy looked up at the big American and said, Bread, sir? Bread? Bread, sir? He was a little beggar boy, you see. And Lucado said there are always little beggar boys in the streets of Brazil. And he said, usually I turn away from them because there's so many you, you couldn't possibly feed them all. But there was something so compelling about this little boy that I couldn't turn away. So taking his hand, I said, come with me. And I took him into a coffee shop. Max told the owner, I'll have a cup of coffee and give the boy here a piece of pastry, whatever he wants. Since the coffee counter was at the other end of the store, Max walked on and got a cup of coffee, sort of forgetting about the little boy, because what usually happens, beggar boys get their bread, and then they run right back out into the street, and they disappear. But this one didn't do that. After he got his pastry, he went over to the big American, and he just stood there until Lucado felt those staring eyes. Max said, I turned and looked at him, and standing up, his eyes just about hit my belt buckle, and then slowly his eyes came up until they met mine. And the little boy, holding his pastry still, in one hand, looked up and said, Thank you, sir. Listen to this. Listen to this. Thank you very much. Lucado said, I was so touched by that boy's thanks, I would have bought him the whole store. He said, I sat down for another 30 minutes, late for my class, thinking about the little beggar boy who came back, and he said, thank you, sir, thank you very much. So brothers and sisters in Christ, and all who listen, if a little Brazilian beggar boy could make Max Lucado's heart bubble, I wonder if we could make God's heart jump for joy when we say, thank you, God, thank you very much. It could very well be. This, you see, is God's will for our lives, to give him thanks and to praise him 
in all circumstances. A little eight-year-old gal named Christina, she was diagnosed with a, a very rare cancer, a cancer that would overtake her nervous system. She was very sick. Her birthday was coming, and when asked what she wanted for her birthday, she took some time and she thought long and hard. Finally, this is what she said. I don't know. I have two sticker books and a Cabbage Patch doll. I think I have everything. You know, friends, we all have that great cancer of the soul called sin. But Jesus took it away. We have everything now because of him. Give thanks, Paul said, in all circumstances, for this is God's will. This, this, this. People searching for God's will everywhere. It says right here in Scripture, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It was in a large church in Atlanta not too, too long ago that the pastor asked one of their retired pastors, who was now way up in the 90s, if he would come to the pulpit and share a few things on this particular Sunday. And he said, just tell the folks what your greatest lesson that you learned in all those years of preaching the gospel. You've gone through tears and heartbreak and pain and fear and helped people through sorrow and all those things. What's the greatest thing that would comfort you in all that time and as you think back, has kept you strong. That venerable pastor said, the one thing that I always came back to was the favorite chorus that I learned to sing as a little child in church. Many, many, many of you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Well, the people thought that the aged pastor was done. He said, now, if you would, here's my senior version of Jesus loves me. And friends, I want this to be my closing prayer today. He went on. Jesus loves me, this I know, though my hair is white as snow. Though my sight is growing dim, still he bids me trust in him. Though my steps are oh so slow, with my hand in his I'll go. On through life, let come what may, he'll be there to lead the way. When the nights are dark and long, in my heart he puts a song telling me in words so clear, have no fear, for I am near. And when my work on earth is done, and life's victories have been won, he will take me home above, then I'll understand his love. I love Jesus, does he know? Have I ever told him so? Jesus loves to hear me say that I love him every day. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. 
very much.